0: Richard
1: and I'm Gary and these are our incredible stories hello and welcome back to all of our listeners from around the world and across the United States You might have noticed that our music has a a very eerie tone to it this evening and that's because we're going to be sharing a very incredible story that has to do with aliens and ufos and ufos yep uh so this story is uh near and dear to my heart because i remember as a young child we had just moved back from Florida to New Mexico and we were staying with my grandparents and you and mom were looking for a new place to live. And the two choices that I can remember, uh, were Roswell, New Mexico, and I believe, um, where where was it? Where's the one place that they tested uh, the atomic bomb? Los Alamos. Los Alamos. So it came down to those two choices, Los Alamos or Roswell, New Mexico. Now, I didn't know anything about either one. I knew that New Mexico was the, the birthplace of uh, the atomic bomb. It's where it was tested heavily, especially out at White Sands National Missile Range in Alamogordo. But... Um, I didn't know much about uh, the other two, and I remember that you had started reading a book uh, about Roswell and Roswell Mystery, and I started asking questions. What are these books about? What is this about? And you said, well, you know, back in 1947, a UFO crashed in Roswell, and supposedly they recovered three alien bodies. And then-
0: Oh, your ears picked up at that.
1: Oh, you're not kidding. So at that point, uh, when we were asked where would we like to live, Los Alamos or Roswell, uh, I remember saying with much excitement, Roswell, Roswell, (laughs) Roswell, Roswell, Roswell. Roswell." There was no question. And uh, it it was unanimous between me and uh, Amber that that was by far the most interesting place that we could possibly live. I even remember when we went looking for houses, asking the uh, real estate guy if he knew anything about uh, aliens. Uh, to which he just chuckled and and then figured, well, great. Now we have more of these people coming yeah, into our town. Coming into our town. So, but but the story goes back. And so this evening we are going to be talking about that. Now you have the full uh, story right there in front of you. So um, let's delve into some of the deeper. Uh, parts of the story and uh, answer some questions people may have about uh, the story they've never heard of.
0: Yeah, I think if we start off with a backgrounder, then uh, we can expand beyond that uh, and then talk about some of your experiences at some of these actual locations in and around Roswell. Yes. So, as you mentioned, it began in the uh, summer of 1947. Keep in the back of your mind, that was two years after World War II came to an yeah. end. Now, if. Um, People are familiar with World War II. They know that during World War II, <clears throat> the Soviet Union was an ally of the United States. That it was, uh, along with um, Britain and France, and so <clears throat> and other countries, Canada, uh, other countries, the Allies. But uh, by 1947, uh, friction had developed between America and the Soviet Union, and we were a- at the dawn of what would be called the Cold War, which would last yes. for a number of years. And uh, it was at this time that the U.S. Army Air Forces there in Roswell, at the U.S. Army Air Force Base, sent out one shocker of a press release announcing they'd recovered a flying disc from a ranch near Roswell. And so um, today, by the way, the town has a UFO museum, a research center, a, even a flying saucer inspired McDonald's, Gary, even alien themed streetlights. And an extraterrestrial family stranded in a broken down ufo on the side of uh, state route 285 looking for a jump start <laughs> <laughs> they've embraced mm-hmm. they've
1: truly embraced it not only that but they've had uh countless tv shows and movies made about uh yeah the, town of, yeah. the city of roswell <clears throat> yeah
0: and so uh, even that series roswell high school if you remember yes oh
1: i'll be talking about that trust me
0: okay uh, so let's go ahead then and find out some of the historical background before we go off on flights of fancy here. So sometime between mid June early July of forty seven, there was a rancher named W. W. Mac Brazel, and <clears throat> that name is familiar to me because uh, it was a guy named Brazel who shot and killed Sheriff Pat Garrett, and we've uh, had Sheriff Pat Garrett's story on the podcast earlier and uh so how many Brazil's would be in new mexico that weren't related that's an unusual name
1: i mean it's a side note but i think that they were well i can't say that but i I would say they're probably probably family yeah because roswell's only a hop skip and jump away from uh lincoln county yeah yeah
0: yeah. and uh right so uh anyways he was a rancher uh he found the wreckage on his uh, property there in as you mentioned lincoln county new mexico That's uh, about 75 miles north of Roswell. Um, By the way, uh, I don't know if Mac read the newspaper or not, but just for your information, there had been some flying disc and flying saucer stories in the national press that summer.
1: Yeah, actually. No,
0: this didn't just come out of the, you know, fertile imagination. No, no, no. Maybe his imagination started running wild after he had read these stories in the newspaper. What do you think?
1: Well, here's the thing. Um, we'll get into a little bit more okay. of the thoughts mm. and theories behind it. I, I'm not so sure that it was his imagination running wild with him and we'll go into reasons why afterward, but, okay. uh, but there was a lot of things happening in, in uh, across the United States and during the forties, including things that were happening in California, which was another separate incident involving the U S military.
0: Okay, so, um, by the way, uh, Brazel found some rubber strips, some tinfoil, some thick paper, things like that. <clears throat> he uh, brought the material to the sheriff in Roswell. George Wilcox was his name. And he brought it to the attention of uh, Colonel William Blanchard. He was the commanding officer of the uh, Roswell Army Airfield at the time. And so the next day the army released a statement saying (coughs) quote, excuse me, the many rumors regarding the flying disc became a reality yesterday when the intelligence office of the 509th bomb group of the eighth air force Roswell army airfield was fortunate enough to gain possession of a disc through the cooperation of one of the local ranchers and the sheriff's office of Chavez County. Now, According to that statement, Major Jesse Marcel, who you know of, he was an intelligence officer, and he oversaw the investigation of the crash site and the recovered uh, materials. So the next day, the Roswell Daily Record, a newspaper we read when we lived there, um, they um, wrote a little bit, ran a story about the crash and the astonishing Army claim. But U.S. Army officials then quickly reversed themselves on the flying saucer claim, stating that the found debris was actually a weather balloon. And they released photographs of uh, Major Marcel posing with pieces of the supposed weather balloon debris as proof, and you've seen that photo. Oh, yes. uh, Fast forward now uh, to 1994, Gary. Many folks were skeptical of the government's uh, changed account And so in 1994, guess what? The U.S. Air Force released a report and they concluded that the weather balloon story had been bogus. Really? Yes. And according to the 1994 explanation, the wreckage came from a spy device created for an until then classified project called Project Mogul. The device, it was a connected string of high-altitude balloons equipped with microphones, was designed to float furtively over the Soviet Union, detecting sound waves at a stealth distance. And these balloons would ostensibly monitor the Soviet government's attempts at testing their own atomic bomb. And so perhaps the government was testing these out before sending them over the skies of the Soviet Union. The, the Mogul, Project Mogul, was obviously a very top-secret covert operation, and so a false explanation of the crash was necessary to prevent giving away details of this spy work.
1: Interesting. Mm-hmm.
0: So we also have eyewitnesses who claim that they saw alien bodies taken from the site and blah, 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 blah. Uh, so anyways, um, what can you tell us uh, in that realm gary
1: well i can only tell you what i know from what they had at the museum and uh interviews and stuff that has uh that have been conducted with people who were around when this happened now supposedly um mac uh, brazell um he knew what weather balloons looked like because he had had several of them land on his Ranch, yeah. and so he was—he was very familiar with what they looked like and how they worked, and he had had people come out to remove them uh, before, so this was nothing new. Uh, but whatever it was that landed on his property had left uh, a good amount of dirt removed from the ground and left a, a bit of a, a, a ditch. And so when they were called out, the fire department showed up military uh from the base and everything and they were collecting uh quite a bit of debris at the time and some of the people some of the people who worked with the fire department and even jesse marcel himself had collected bits and pieces of whatever this craft was
0: yeah, and he right? took it home he took some of this wreck he actually home
1: took him. some of it home and he gave some of it to his son who jesse had a, marcel jr yep jesse marcel's jr who h- kept it in a, a little box And one of the things that Jesse Marcel Jr. said uh, was that one of the pieces was an I-beam, a very small I-beam that had uh, almost hieroglyphic-type writings on it. And uh, he had since made a a replica to the best of his recollection of what it looked like. Um, And some of the people who worked for the fire department had claimed to have had pieces of this metal material that couldn't be scratched, it couldn't be... Uh, torn or uh, crumpled up. It kept its shape very well, and it was just peculiar material. And so uh, when word got out and everything, they went back and they collected all of these bits and pieces of material that uh, were from the crash. And then it was later that they came back and said, oh, no, 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 it was a weather balloon. But when they brought in the stuff, everybody was saying, no, this this isn't what we dealt with they did a photo shoot with this material that they brought in and you can see the look on the face of uh, Jesse Marcel, that he's clearly not believing that this is what he's having to tell everybody was what crashed out there on the sheep farm or the, the sheep branch. Um, and for years after that, he, he said that he didn't believe that's what it was. So, um, Now, the other component to this, uh, you mentioned that bodies were recovered. here's the other weird thing about that. So weather balloon. Okay, fine. They want to say it's a weather balloon, weather balloon. What was up with the bodies? Now the mortician who was still alive when we moved out there, we had gone for my fifth grade class, uh, field trip. We had gone to the museum and because it's local history. And so we took the tour around the UFO museum and everything. And at the end, we were going through the gift shop and the mortician was there who delivered the coffins to the Air Force base. And he was still around. And so he had said that, yes, he delivered three child-sized coffins to the Air Force base um, that night when everything happened that that's peculiar so that they later explain that as saying well it's because we had uh test dummies that were attached to the weather balloons they were all part of the test
0: why would you put test dummies in coffins from the mortuary
1: okay yeah that's my question so number one you're on an air force base they have crates they have all sorts of stuff if they need to ship things they could easily do that why would you need to get uh three coffins coffins are used to preserve bodies you know not ship Mm -hmm. dummies you want to ship a dummy there's ways to ship a dummy if you want to preserve a body there's ways to preserve a body so it just doesn't make sense and smaller coffins too the the dummies that they have in the museum if you go there are life-size dummies adult-sized dummies again why would you go out to get coffins to put dummies in when you could just get crates and you could shove them in there It just doesn't make sense. Um, Not only that, but the area where the supposed material was kept in one of the hangars was closed off. Nobody could get to it or anything like that. It was heavily guarded. Uh, I guess if it were spy material, sure, you probably would want to make sure that that was heavily guarded. But even to this day, I mean, when I was a kid, I remember that hangar had been pointed out hundreds of times by a lot of different people. And it was just something that nobody really went around or, you know, spent any time around. And, and maybe that's in my head, remembering back and, you know, thinking, Hmm, maybe there's still something in there, course <laughs> there's probably not, but, but Roswell was always filled with unusual things like that. I mean, for crying out loud, the Lisa Marie Elvis's airplane was out there on the tarmac. Yes. You know, I mean, yeah. I probably nobody, uh, other than anybody who lives in Roswell, would know that. I don't know if it's still out there to this day, but when we lived there, it was there and it had been bought by some prince and had gold toilets and bathroom fixtures and yada, yada, yada. But it's just, it's an unusual place.
0: Yeah. And uh, uh, you bring up an interesting fact there, Gary, because as you know, I was an adjunct uh, instructor at Eastern uh, New Mexico University, Roswell which was out there on the old Army Air Force Base. Yes, it was. So every evening when I'd go to or from a class, I would pass by this hangar. And sometimes the doors were open. People were working inside. And back in that at that time, <clears throat> their big business out of this hangar that supposedly held the alien bodies in, in uh, small caskets, they were doing these gold fittings for rich people's private planes. Isn't that weird? Yeah, yeah gold faucets and Mm -hmm. gold uh you
1: know uh, yeah whatever they want to put in there right so So,
0: talk about unusual i mean that was unusual too
1: yeah but the the most unique thing about roswell i mean they really embraced the whole ufo and Mm -hmm. alien theme greatly they've made it a big attraction um it was always big Mm -hmm. when we lived out there Uh, it's since grown even larger but i remember every year we would have the ufo fest around july and hundreds of thousands of people would come out to tell their stories of alien abduction or UFO encounters. And you have people who, you know, walk the streets and claim that they're Elvis returned from outer space. You know, I mean, it's, it's unbelievable. And, but it's a lot of fun. Um, and it, it definitely is what generates a lot of profit for the city. Um, it's just, it's an interesting place to live.
0: Yeah, and when we were out there, we did uh, drive by the actual crash site where supposedly the UFO crashed in 1947. And there was nothing, I mean, nothing marking the site. It was just this
1: empty field. Well, no, I think there is one sign that's out there, like a a tiny little sign. It's probably a lot bigger today. Oh, it could be. I mean, it's it's unique and it's funny. I remember uh, we lived there for four years And we were out there right when they started the the CW, which was back then the WB, was starting up the um, Roswell TV show. Mm -hmm. And we were all excited because everybody was like, oh my gosh, they're going to be filming a TV show out here. Oh, we could get on and we could be famous. You know, you're like 13, 14 years old and think, oh yeah, I could be in this show. I could be famous. And then we waited. There was no trucks or anything. There was no big uh, filming crews, nothing. And then the show comes out and they depicted Roswell as this tiny little uh, podunk town in the middle of nowhere with, you know, a, a little diner and all that kind of stuff and nothing else. And I was thinking to myself, and I know me and my friends had a lot of discussion like this is not anything close <laughs> to Roswell, New Mexico at all. Right. They missed the mark. And what <laughs> I don't know what this place was, but it's definitely not where I live. Yeah. You yeah, know, uh, yeah. and but uh, but. But aside from the aliens, uh, Roswell is known for, I mean, Goddard, uh, Robert Goddard, uh, who developed uh, the first rockets that uh, Mm -hmm. soon became uh, the the model of what would become the Apollo missions and and space travel in general was a big part of Roswell. In fact, one of the high schools is named after him. So there's a lot that deals with space and spacecrafts that revolve around that particular place
0: and uh, not too far away is white sands missile range and so it's not surprising to me in fact i used to tell you back then when you were you know uh, young and wondering about ufo's and what have you i said you know more often than not this stuff can be explained as some kind of experimental thing that the government is doing because i can guarantee you a whole lot of stuff must come down to the ground Uh, that had been shot up by White Sands Missile Range.
1: Well, I can tell you this. I remember back when I was a kid, and the stealth fighter was just coming out. Yeah, The stealth fighter was a very uh, Mm top-secret, you know, jet. That was an Alamogordo. That was an Alamogordo, um, and it had been tested in other uh, Air Force bases, Uh, but the shape was a black triangle. And When you see it fly, it's a black flying triangle. It does not Mm -hmm. resemble a jet at all, but it is... A US military uh, jet you know and the first times it was sighted people thought it was a UFO Um, so it's not hard to imagine that there could have been experimental aircraft there could have been all sorts of different things that have been tested and that would be I think more logical but uh, during the 40s there was a whole rash of these kind of things popping up all over the country in fact we were talking about this before we started recording and I was telling you about another incident that happened in the 40s. that was called uh, Battle of Los Angeles uh, where there was some kind of craft that was spotted over Los Angeles. This is during World War II. And the, the belief was that it was a uh, Japanese um, air, raid, air raid or something. And, but there was this large um, object. And so searchlights went out. They unloaded a massive amount of artillery on this thing and nothing hit it. And it disappeared. And there was no evidence of what it was. Um, And they called it Battle of Los Angeles. Uh, Just a a very peculiar event. Now, they said that it it was possibly one of the um, balloons that's used to tangle up jets. They used to, you know, Mm kind of look like blimps uh, Mm -hmm. that would have cables coming down from it. And if a jet got tangled up in it or not a jet if a uh, plane got tangled up and it, it would cause it to crash um so you know a lot of people say it oh, possibly could have been that but i mean again if you would shot something like that down you would have found it uh, but there were all sorts of different things uh through throughout the 40s that popped up uh, in the skies over america and throughout the world um, but i think it's been put very well by a lot of people uh, a lot of scientists and, and some people in, in government positions that say it's foolish to think that we are the only beings in the entire universe that are intelligent or have the capability of space travel. It would be foolish for us to imagine that. I think um part of it though is it's kind of fun to imagine what if. You know, even if we were, even if we are the only beings out there in the universe, sometimes it's kind of Fun to imagine. What if there was someone else out there? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, would they be friendly? Let
0: the imagination uh,
1: run wild. Yeah, that's the great thing about imagination.
0: Well, spoiler alert. Um, I I will tell you uh, now what I told you when you were a child there in Roswell, the alien capital of the world. You're an alien. <laughs> <And> <laughs> well, some people might think so. But, okay. Uh, if. Um, If you see something strange uh, and unexplainable uh, that looks like it might have uh, fallen from the skies, think about the possibility that you're looking at some top secret um, governmental research item, uh, maybe connected with the military, because more often than not, especially there in New Mexico, that's what you're going to find.
1: Oh, yeah. I would say more than likely that's probably what it is. But again, it's just fun to imagine, what if? Well, I think that's going to wrap us up for this episode. And once again,
0: Oh, I'm a human and my name is Richard.
1: And I'm Gary. And what yes, if? yes, what I'm if? a human. But what if I were actually an alien? Woo! <laughs> All right. If you liked what you heard, make sure you like and subscribe to our show. New episodes are always up on Friday. and We look forward to having you join us again for more incredible stories.